0: I know now why you cry, but it is something I could never do. My name is Matthew Kroll. Watch it, Lugnuts. My name is Here Dow. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film. I can't believe we're doing it. Terminator
1: 2, Judgment Day. You got so excited. I felt like your eyeball was about to pop. Out. But,
0: yeah, because I am. I, and, and I'm so the psyched. The
1: veins are popping out of your neck.
0: I, I, and, and we'll get into why I'm so psyched, <laughs> but I'm so 100% on board. Let's <laughs> let's fucking go. This is, this is my jam. Uh, and we're, we're particularly doing this because i feel uh they just did a 3d re-release uh which i saw yep uh one of us saw i didn't i did not Uh, we will talk all (laughs) about it but you uh i am pumped beyond pumped
1: beyond i'm I'm nervous about this episode to be honest why i'm nervous about it because um i think um we know off the bat both of us love this movie sure right like we there's no we've talked about this movie a bunch on the podcast probably since day 1 yeah yeah uh, since Mad Max Fury Road yep. um I'm nervous because I don't want this episode to just be a gush fist for Terminator two. I want us to like really get into this film and like, and think about it analytically and think about it just like exactly why we love it. And whether that love is earned, uh, a spoiler
0: alert at a hundred percent is, and, uh, I have, I, I, I have,
1: it, it, it doesn't matter if it is or it isn't. The question is giving reasons why, like, I don't want us to just sit here and go, Oh, it's awesome. It's the best movie ever. It's just did, awesome. Did I you, love it. did you do notes? Did I did do notes. Okay. Good. Because I did notes
0: and I did a lot of sort of reasons why things happen. Okay, good. Uh, I, I'm not, and I, I, you know, I'm taking a little bit of offense to your you're just instantly feeling like, oh, I'm just going to fanboy this one I didn't and say not have, you, I didn't and say not have you. shit
1: to back it up. I didn't say you. I said us. I'm I'm hoping uh, we don't just sit here and go. That's not our style. Uh, that, that we just, uh, you know, like, oh my God, this is so amazing. Which nope. I think is, you know, when you're revisiting a classic like this. Sure. When, you know, like a, a film that, that meant a lot to you growing up, it, you know, Mm-hmm. It meant a lot to me growing up. Um, I think it's easy to do, and I think it's easy to to, to sort of think, to to not think about it analytically, or not th- think about it just uh, as reviewers, which is our job. Well,
0: I think that's our unpaid our unpaid <laughs> internship, yeah, our uh, unpaid internship. Uh, we're, no, I think the 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 cool part for me, especially because God. I've been uh, <laughs> not being paid to review films mm. for the better part of the last eleven years. Okay. <laughs> uh, holy shit, that's sad. Um, but but whenever I revisit a, a classic like this, um, specifically ones that like I have a, a, a long history with. Mm-hmm. Um, I always find uh, sort of it's it is fun to dive in and there's very few films that hold up to the level of scrutiny that I'd like us to sort of put to this. I mean, to your point from before uh, and coming out the other side with me still having uh, the same feelings that I do for it, because I mean, look, we can tear anything apart. No, I, no,
1: I, no I, I, I think we will prove that we can't tear apart this movie. Uh,
0: you know, I, but I, I'm not suggesting, I'm by the way, that we that, that we're
1: tearing it apart for the sake of tearing it apart. I'm just saying let's be rigid with it. And if we do love it, and if we do actually really really love it, let's say why, and let's give let's give an argument why we love it. Because this. normally we just don't give reasons. Yeah, I mean, I no, I just think I just think <laughs> in the case of a film like this. But you know, like a much beloved film all like right, this, right. I think it's very easy to. If we did Jurassic Park, I would worry about the same thing.
0: No, no, I understand, and I think you know now. Just I think you're you're saying that less for us and more for people listening to be like, oh, what the hell are they going to say about Terminator,
1: Terminator Two? Exactly. Uh,
0: you know, and there, there'll be some new stuff in there because there's so many. Hey, you know what's interesting? Even with the 3D re-release, um, there's so many editions of this film. Right. There's yeah. like there's like three or four different cuts. Um, it's been released all over the damn place in many different formats. I mean, I've, I've owned it, I think on four
1: separate formats. Okay. Uh, this is definitely a film that like is a, whenever there's a new format, I will buy this film in that format. Right. So when I, when I finally upgrade to 4k, this will be, th-
0: this will be, be a film that's yeah. worth. And I'll be 4K. curious to see uh, if it, is it available in 4k right now? Uh,
1: I don't believe so. Okay. Well, yeah. whatever
0: it is, I'll be curious to see what cut of the film they put out on 4k because every, like I was shocked which cut of the film they put out for the 3d re-release. Right. Uh, there, there's just, and, and it, it actually is its own cut, huh. uh, which is very strange to me, but it, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I mean, any cut, any, any way you cut yeah. it,
1: uh, <laughs> Uh, we'll get to the, I, I want to get to the film in one second. I just want to, um, issue out a couple of corrections that were uh, sent into corrections. Us. Yes. Corrections. came in from CJ Johnson in Australia. Who's friend of the show has been on it a couple of times. Fun fact, uh, uh the, the CJ Johnson and my, um, bromance that has been brewing in the background of the show, uh, took another turn where we, re, uh, where he, after listening to my stories of coming from Fiji, realized that he, his family is also, um, has spent a lot of time in Fiji and he spent a lot of time in Fiji and we're, our families might have actually crossed paths in Fiji, huh. which is a, a pretty, pretty. Did he ever buy you a trucker hat? Uh, he did not buy me a Oh, Okay, so no. whose bromance is actually stronger? <laughs> so I mean, get t- point taken? Yeah. Point taken. Uh, but Thank last you, uh, last week on Logan Lucky, I mentioned uh, I believe I mistakenly uh, said that Catherine Waterson was uh, was British doing an American accent, and oh. I thought she was doing an excellent job. Of it turns out she is actually American. So she did do an excellent job. <laughs> <of> <laughs> she it. did an excellent job of it. Yes, um, and she is also the daughter of Sam Waterson, actor that you've probably seen in many a film. Um, I. What else uh, did we get wrong? Uh, the the other one was something I actually acknowledged, uh, in the liner notes, which was that I mistakenly, again, this is me. Uh, when we were talking about Detroit, I mentioned the film near dark and I said it was starring Christopher Lambert. It is not starring Christopher Lambert. It's starring a Adrian Pasder uh, and Bill Paxton. Um, but I just got that wrong in my head. See,
0: this is why you shouldn't be knowledgeable about anything because then people can take you to
1: task for it. But, but I will say you did agree with me on both these occasions. You didn't. I, half the time, I'm, you know, I'm just like, uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> you no, know, that makes
0: total sense to me. I trust you. You bled me astray. I don't know why you're putting me on this. Uh,
1: but if no. you want to write us in with yes, your corrections and missions, if you think that I am being a pompous douche with my incorrect facts, please do so. That is not o- the reason you are a pompous douche. <laughs> uh, please do so at OnlyMoviePodcast only at gmail.com. Uh, write us in on Twitter at OnlyMoviePod. Uh, please leave us leave us an iTunes review if you feel so inclined. Yeah. Uh, and also, if you own a 4K Blu-ray copy of Terminator send yeah, it into us you should probably just uh, it send it
0: our way and it would really be the thing that pushes me over the edge to buy a 4k projector okay matt yes hi what's terminator 2 about
1: oh do you want me to read the I, I, just, I just let's the get this out of the way because I, we have a lot to talk about the
0: hilarious okay here we go a cyborg identical to the one who failed to kill sarah connor must now protect her 10 year old son john connor from a more advanced cyborg Cool. I mean, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. Uh, yeah, I, look. When uh, did you see Terminator 2? I so. saw uh, the year it came out in the year of our Lord, uh, 1991. 1991.
1: Wait, how old? Were you? you would have been nine years old. Yeah, nine years old. You went to the movies and saw it.
0: I went to the movies and saw it. It was a thing. Uh, honestly, I think it was sort of my, my dad loved Arnold Schwarzenegger. He instilled that sort of love in it with me. Uh, I probably watched some Arnold movies. Um, I think I've talked about this in the podcast before, how we saw predator, like my mom was out of town and like, he took me to the video store and the whole magical moment, blah,
1: blah,
0: blah. Uh, I was definitely uh, Team Schwarzenegger over Team Stallone. Not that I had anything against Stallone. I
1: think that's warranted. I think that's fairly, fairly well warranted given the sure. caliber of films that Schwarzenegger did. Yeah,
0: yeah but they, that was kind of like the weird mini, like not rivalry, but like kind of rival. This was
1: your Civil War before there was Civil War. Sure. This was your DC versus Marvel before I, I there was guess, DC versus Marvel. Yes, but I think, I think,
0: I think uh, <laughs> even though, even though Arnold played, uh, even though now they've swapped, yeah. uh, Stallone is in the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, mm-hmm. as a Ravenger Captain and. And, uh, you know,
1: I, we all know Mr. Freeze. You know, a fun fact I learned today yeah. uh, is uh, because Honest Trailers has released a Honest Trailer for the movie Face Off. Face <laughs> yeah. Off was originally written for or Schwarzenegger yep. and Stallone, yeah. Crazy. which makes a lot more sense than totally Nicolas Cage does. and John Travolta. Yep. A
0: hundred percent. But yeah. So, um, so okay. I saw that. So I saw the movie when I was nine years old. Um and it honestly is the first real memory that I can like viscerally remember the entire experience of being in the movie theater. And that's something, again, I don't want it to, well, it's going to, but fuck it. It's it, I, if this was a lesser film, I would say that is going to taint my opinion of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I can back up. I can, I can practice everything that I'm about to preach. Okay. And uh, the, the big takeaway of this honestly is that um, this was the first piece of media the first film in particularly that I ever cried at okay and this was the movie that taught me that uh, a couple different sort of lessons that I think are kind of important when dealing with any sort of cinema one uh, a movie can be more than just one thing. I feel like up until that point, I was like, "Oh, this is a comedy. This is an action movie. This is a drama." Like I just, I had compartmentalized what a film was. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that they could Wait, sort of
1: aware of genres at the age of nine. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> I knew what what they were, but like, I thought like, "Oh, if it's a comedy, it can't be sad." Like right. in my kid brain, right. And this was the first time where I was like, "Oh." shit and then the second and then the second time is when i started crying at the end obviously when it's the saddest moment in cinematic history uh it like it really it it knocked me for a loop to the point where i was like oh my god like (laughs) film film can make me have this level of an emotional response like to to remember that as a nine-year-old is weird as fuck right and uh it it's it's stayed with me ever since and i and i honestly think i know i equate um escape from new york for the reason that i actually decided to go into television and film Mm -hmm. but um i i have to honestly give the super genesis of realizing the power of the visual medium of film to uh to terminator 2 because that's when i realized it uh it could actually do all of the wonderful things that it does
1: Knew now why you could cry. Yeah, well,
0: I <laughs> knew now it could make me cry, there you and go. it was something that it did. I still, I saw this in the theater two days ago, and I still, I didn't cry, but I, I you why know, you, you got the,
1: you got the, bitch, the feels. You.
0: Like I welled <laughs> up a little bit, yeah. and I was like, oh my god. <laughs> what about you? You, you so you said this was important to you.
1: It was. It was. I, I, uh, I think uh, there were other movies that came before it that I kind of fanboyed over. I remember Batman, the uh, the original Tim Burton one, yep. was one when I was younger that I got really, really excited for. I was like hyped up in the marketing and the comics, everything there. Um, I think the, I'm trying to think, I, I have a funny feeling the first movie that made me cry was either flight of the navigator or did Poet Society. One of those two films made me cry. How old were you when you saw Dead Poet Society? I would have been like nine years old. Huh. Uh, uh, and it uh, it made me cry. The the Oh, Captain, My Captain yeah. thing kind of really, wow. really welled me up.
0: I it's, feel like this is a very telling
1: thing about yeah. both of our personalities. <laughs> I'm sure I would have cried in movies before then, but that's the one I can like really remember. Yeah. Flight of the Navigator as well. I think really, Flight of the Navigator mm-hmm. scared the piss out of me. Right, right. Yeah, uh, I wasn't. I never it's cried. A dark movie. It's
0: dark, and I I rewatched it recently. Mm-hmm. It has a bunch of problems as a you know a yeah. kids alien movie from that era sort of does. But yeah. like they don't make the dark kids movie anymore. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. Stranger Things is the closest thing to it, and yeah. that's too self aware to even really do it. Yeah, like it, oh, Flight of the Navigator, it, yeah. listeners, if you haven't seen the film
1: Flight of <laughs> (laughs) The Navigator. Watch it. I'm not going to say it's a great film. No, but it has some really interesting ideas going on. And it's dark! Yeah, also a time travel movie. Yeah. Um, I... Uh, but then I, I I I I was a big Arnie fan uh, back in the day as well. I remember bonding with friends at school, like the thing that we had in common. I remember on the first day of school, uh, Kurt Williams and I, the thing we bonded over was our mutual love of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Now, I was more in love for the movies. He was actually a bodybuilder. At really? Those. Yeah. He was like really into to weight training and that sort of How thing. How so old were you at this point? Again, we were 12. Uh, well, no, this would mean uh, start, 12-year-old uh, no, weightlifter? I uh, started high school. so oh, yeah, so yeah, like 13, 15, 16. Uh, 13, 14. Uh oh yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 well fourteen yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and he was really into weight training uh so he loved Arnold for that reason um so I was really a big fan of Arnold Schwarzenegger as I think every kid around that period was um and then there was just this huge po- I remember I used to watch Entertainment Tonight. Like late night, uh, it would play at like eleven o'clock at night in New Zealand, and they had when like, you had to switch the channel off of the scrambled porn when your parents <laughs> walked in the room. We didn't have uh, like we were so unsophisticated with television. We didn't even have scrambled porn. Oh, it was it regular porn. No, we had no porn oh. like streaming to our televisions. Huh. Uh, I'm, <laughs> well, actually, the first one that I remember, uh, and this again will probably tell you a lot about me, was uh, the Decameron by Pier Paolo Pasolini, which was like the first R eighteen movie that came up on on our on our paper service. Sure. Sure. So I was like, "Ooh, I'm gonna watch that," and it was like, you know, this bawdy Roman tale uh, with not a lot of sex in it. Um, anyway, <laughs> the Young Shahir the young, was disappointed. Yeah, very disappointed. Anyway, I I I got very hyped for Terminator. I think there was something about seeing this notion of the liquid middle man oh. that that they they really teased out in trailers. Um, that really. Captured uh, our the collective imagination of the time. Yeah, uh, it's hard to uh, it's hard to overestimate how big a deal Terminator Two was when it came out. Uh, I don't think there's a movie today that causes this level of excitement. I remember back then it was Batman, which I remember seeing when I was a little kid and being disappointed by. It. I remember going, "Oh, this, huh. is, this isn't as good a movie as I was thinking it was going to be." But when I went to see Terminator Two, I was like, this is as yeah. good a movie as I thought it was going to be. In fact, it's better than I thought it was going to be. Here's a fun thing as well. I, I I know this probably didn't happen this way, but Peter Jackson writes about seeing Terminator 2 opening night in Wellington, New Zealand. This was before he was yeah, yeah, the yeah. Peter Jackson that we know, which is also the same night I went to it. Sort of, and he talks about being at the same movie theater that I was at. He's not obviously writing, I was at the same movie theater that she was at. He was just talking about it. Oh, was movies. he not? No, I don't know why he. I mean, look, Peter, you know, I don't know why you don't mention me anymore in any of your stories. Maybe it's Cause you're too busy gushing over (laughs) soda. That's true. And I was nine years old at the time. Um, but, uh, he, he mentioned seeing, um, Terminator two that night, which was the same night I saw it with my older brother. And and he talked about that being a transformative moment for him, where he realized he could do. Because um, I think he was really trying to do King Kong, but he also I think he hadn't done Heavenly Creatures at that point, right? So it was really a turning point for him. Um, but I was absolutely blown away by this film, and it was it was a film that once I owned a VHS copy of yeah. it, it was a film that you know any free moment I had, I would be watching this movie. Yeah. You know, like, there was just no... If you have a spare time... If you have a spare two hours to watch a movie, it's gonna be this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Terminator 2... Obviously means a lot to me. Now, did you? Um, uh, how how were you on Terminator One at this point? In Here's your life?
0: the deal: I hadn't seen Terminator One first, right? Okay. Uh, I, I think a lot of people came to Terminator Two, kids in particular. Uh, yeah. That well, so this is also during the the interesting time. So, so I didn't know that first. Yeah. Uh, all I knew was Arnold was a good robot, right? Uh, which is fine for a nine year old me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, R rated Arnold's a good robot. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Um, but uh, the interesting thing I thought anyway was. Was um, how this was during the era, and Aliens sort of fell into this a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, how these R-rated action movies would have toy lines, yeah. <laughs> I had Terminator two action figures. I had the liquid metal thing that yeah. like blew up. I had Arnold with a mini gun. Like these are, these are, these are violent, especially for the time films uh, that they literally just marketed to kids. It's like, as if, and these aren't even as violent. I think they, uh, I, you know, but like the fast and the furious, if they were fast and furious action figures for Children.
1: I wouldn't be surprised if they are.
0: There I there aren't. I've looked. Um but no, actually I haven't. I don't know. Maybe they could be. Um but like it's just it it was during a time that like it was it was was just cool to love Predator, for example. There were Predator action. Yeah. Yeah, 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 you get a
1: Predator action but You get an alien action figure.
0: Uh so so that was always that sort of is what like tied me into it as well. I I then saw Terminator one years later. Um and of course I didn't like it as much, but it was interesting to see Arnold as the bad guy, and then Mm-hmm. i came to the realization this this movie gave me so many so many firsts yeah um that <laughs> lost your virginity a lot but a lot of different <laughs> kinds of virginity it, this lost my trusting and advertising virginity oh wow. because because i realized and it was years later this is maybe four or five years later that mm-hmm. the entirety of the first third or not the first third maybe the first fourth of terminator 2 it's built around the idea you don't know which Terminator is the good one or the bad one. Yeah, And since the last Terminator, Arnold, was the bad one, you, you kind of would assume... Yeah, th- whatever. But the trailer and go back and watch yeah, the trailer. Now yeah. it blows that right away. It's like the man who is the machine that was sent back to kill now must protect. And yeah. it like blows that whole thing. But in but, but since I'd only seen the trailer and then the movie, I was like, oh, this was common knowledge. But I, I, every time I watch it now, I'm like, there's no reference to who's good and who's bad. In fact, you would think that the guy who's morphed into a cop
1: is the good one. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think the you, you're right. It, it the the the. the Advertising does blow that. However... I think it still works on a character level. Like, you're still like, this character doesn't know which is the good one and which is the oh, bad oh, one. Oh, yeah,
0: no, 100%. You know what I mean? I'm saying but they, they had that, they had, the, they had the opportunity to let the audience live in that same headspace as the characters, right? and still have it be enjoyable and not confusing, and due to the advertising, they lost that.
1: I think, you know, again, uh, this was the most expensive movie ever made at the time, and this was, uh, you know, like, in the wake of a film like Batman, which had, like, a huge marketing blitz i think this was the period where let's do you know massive marketing blitz and i think i think what's different now is that is that we are in a period of oversaturation of media around the release of a film where you know a trailer contains the entire three acts of sure the, and and this it was still a case where you could control the information that you were delving out so i think they were still delving out just liquid middleman Arnie's now the good guy. Yeah. You know, it wasn't as, you know, and, and, I, and I think even if you just know those things, the film still has surprises oh,
0: for of you. Of course, it 100% does, but could you imagine going in thinking Arnold's the bad guy, then being like, what? what? Like, that would have been a, another transformative. So that movie would have had like nine transformative moments as opposed to eight. Yeah. Like, it just it, <laughs> I don't know. I just always have thought about that ever since then.
1: Okay. So we both loved the film. We both, I think uh, collectively that it, it, it it was the if you saw this film at the right age, it was a film that inspired you to to get into visual effects. I want to take one sidestep right now. Uh, I asked on Facebook, you know, I mentioned on Facebook and on Twitter that we were doing this podcast uh, about Terminator Two, and we had a question come in. Before we get into the review, I want to address the elephant in the room that is being tossed around with the re-release of this film. Sure. Um, and that is that last week, James Cameron, uh, was doing a press junket and was probably at some point asked his opinion about the new Wonder Woman film. And his words were something to the effect that Wonder Woman, um, uh, in his mind was a traditionally objectified character and that he felt that the, the new Wonder Woman film, uh, by Patty Jenkins, while he didn't hate the film felt fair, fairly, typical, for a Hollywood film about a woman, and then he and then he made some comparisons to what he had done in uh, in both Aliens uh, and in Terminator uh, in terms of like creating uh, female characters. And uh, our friend Stephen Buja had asked us the question in light of recent comments by Cameron. How do you feel about Sarah Connor as a feminist role model? And I think to a broader extent. Um, you know, obviously the internet has, has, has eviscerated, uh, Mr. Cameron, perhaps rightly. So, um, uh, how do you feel about that entire exchange? Um, <sighs> I guess what I'd say
0: mm-hmm. is first off, you don't have to piss on someone else's candle to make yours burn brighter. And by that, I'm just sort of saying like, okay, Terminator Two is getting this re-release 3D. What, 25 years Mm -hmm. later? Jesus Christ, 26, 26. Wow. Yeah. Uh, And he's asked about Patty Jenkins, obviously, because she's sort of the in in the in the uh, she's in the zeitgeist, in the zeitgeist right now.
1: He's a, he, to be fair, I, I've watched a, a couple of these junkets recently just in preparation for this. Yeah. Uh, and, and he's asked, like, he's asked, how do you feel about Alien Covenant? How do you sure, feel sure, about... Sure, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. No.
0: So, so, so uh, I just don't understand why, even if you believe this, and I don't think I agree, mm-hmm. uh, uh, why you'd even say, like, it just seems like a dumb thing to say. Because, again, you know, no one's... no. <laughs> you you made an incredible character with sarah connor and this film is iconic and it will be in the in the public knowledge for as long as my generation is is in our generation is here Mm -hmm. why be like well it's fine but i did it better like that's just there's that's there's this tact and then there's just not like i don't get it like there's no point behind it like uh, so so whether or not he believes it or not now do i think i mean this is a dumb question for a straight white guy to answer but like do i think who's more feminine or who's a better feminine role model sarah connor or wonder woman depends on the woman that women are relating to like it's not a one-stop shop so like it's it's just stupid to me it's not that he believes it it's that he chose to say it like because we can all have opinions Mm -hmm. but like who get like I don't care if he thinks, of course he thinks Sarah Connor's better. He helped develop Sarah Connor. He made that character.
1: I don't think that's why he thinks she's better. Okay, why? Then explain. I, I okay, so again, uh, to your point, uh, I think it was just an ill timed thing to say, and I don't think that he. Uh, we should hold him to the flame for saying something in the midst of a junket that is not particularly inflammatory. It's Yo. just, it's just, well, everyone a, wants clickbait. Everyone a, a, wants, yeah, you yeah. know, it makes, it makes for a good headline. I think um, the, un, I, my thing is, and this might be clickbaity on our part uh, here is that I kind of partially in some ways agree with what Cameron sentiment was unfortunately the way in which it is presented that he said it feels like he's kind of mansplaining feminism and and that's that's the problem with what he said is that it feels like he is trying to uh, explain feminism now I'd have to read it again I, it, 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 did, was it very opinionated
0: was it just like I feel like I I like my you know strong I female think what characters he's, to be like this what, or? what
1: he's responding to is is something actually I said on on our Wonder Woman episode which is that uh um uh, you know the the there's this kind of collective pat on the bat going on right now about hey female superhero made a shit ton of money aren't we great and I think and and I didn't find Wonder Woman to be a particularly great movie. You know, I thought it was an okay movie. You and
0: soulless son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, I,
1: re- I really do. And I think, you know, like, uh, uh, he's probably watching that. Maybe, I, I don't know. I don't want to presume what his opinion is. He was like, it's a fine film, but he, but he's suggesting that, you know, the things he did, for example, and I agree with this in aliens and in Terminator 2 are far more interesting than what they do in Wonder Woman from a feminist point of view. Now, unfortunately Feminism is many things to many people. Right, and I was going to say, means, who's
0: feminism? Like that's for your. Like, it camp. means
1: many different things, and I think he was he was addressing this notion that that um, Wonder Woman's sexuality is an important part of the reason why we watch her, and, and that's something that he worked very hard not to have in Siracana and not in um, in um, Ripley from Aliens. Again, this is very. T- this is very tricky. Well, then you're then 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 he's defining what a
0: woman is or what a woman isn't. Exactly, and that is, and this a, is, that's problematic. Th-
1: this is yeah. It's I I think his sentiment. His is, well, is, my
0: strong woman isn't sexy or is like
1: fuck you. Like that's not again. I don't thing. think he's saying it this way, and I and I think there's this 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 sort of uh, willingness to leap on him um, for for things he said. I kind of partially agree with the sentiment that that Wonder Woman as a film is not as progressive as we think it is compared to some other films that have been around much longer. Um, but, but I think it's, 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 it's feminism to, 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 to coach that, to couch that in in feminism as as an ideology is perhaps taking too far a leap, and 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 I think you know he comes off as mansplaining feminism, which is not uh, an appropriate thing to do. But I I, I kind I look I uh, again feminism is many things to many people, and it means many different things. Um and 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 it and I I. I actually do agree that his work in Aliens and Terminator 2 in particular is far more interesting than the work of Wonder Woman. Now, that's not to say that his brand of feminism is more interesting. So you're
0: literally just saying your opinion of it. You think these characters are more. You think Sarah Connor and Ripley are more interesting than Wonder than Patty Jenkins as Wonder Woman. Yeah, that's, that's a fine statement. Yeah, and anyone can make that. And I if,
1: think that's what he's saying.
0: If they'd like to, but that's that might be that we're now we're defining what he meant, but yeah. that's not what he said. He came off. Yeah. Like. He and I I have to reread it again, and I don't want to say like he's saying like, oh, I'm going to tell you about what feminism is. But he he literally at a press junket where he could have just said like, oh yeah, it's a fine movie. I'm very proud of Patty or whatever. Like could have just
1: whatever. He also said the same thing about Alien Covenant. He said something similar like when he was asked a question about Alien Covenant, he was like, he said it's a fine movie. I like Ridley Scott a lot, which is what he said about Patty Jenkins. He said it's a fine movie. I like Patty Jenkins a lot. But
0: then did he go? But I did it better.
1: Well, he said? He actually with on Alien Covenant, he was like, it's not the movie I would have made. He was like, uh, I, wouldn't have, fine, I wouldn't make that movie. But like,
0: and maybe that's maybe what the more of the <laughs> more of the tactile thing he should have done with <laughs> Wonder Woman. He but like you could have been like, you know what? I mean, looking back, <laughs> even at my films, I think you could see I would have made a different Wonder Woman. But you know, it's a fine like that's fu- <laughs> like. Jo- <laughs> he's 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 a silly person for having done that and i look i'll sh- i love james cameron and i have a very interesting relationship
1: uh <laughs> up later night tweets, <laughs> takes you is like yeah. hey matt i just you up? This, <laughs> i uh, just did this thing yo, i don't know how i feel I, about I,
0: it I, here's the avatar 2 script will you not throw this one on the fire <laughs> um because like he's made things that have changed my life and there's no question that he in his prime especially was just this fucking powerhouse just this madman of just cinematic
1: gold he might still be in his it, prime let's see how the avatar sequels go well
0: I know a hundred percent I but like for instance avatar was in my opinion hot garbage <laughs> Um, it, it, with a simple story that like mashed up two really outdated genre pieces and then threw sex with ponytails in it and I was like okay I guess okay unobtainium like uh, so like that to me I, th- that's what I'd rather jump on James Cameron for but then he comes out and says stuff like this and it's 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 disheartening and, and look I've never been on a press junket. I don't know how, you know, you get asked the same questions 900,000 times and and people are hunting for this shit. And, 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 you know, you could, you could go at it this way too, of him being a little bit of a victim of being like, I've been talking about films for six hours to random people. Yeah. And eventually, yeah, you're probably going to get sick of either just being polite or like whatever. And you're gonna, you're going to say some shit
1: now. Has he responded at all? No, I don't think so. Because again, I, I don't, I, I, uh, you know, it's in the probably
0: case- being made more of a thing yeah, than it
1: was. Yeah, exactly.
0: And like articles are being written about. But I know, don't think that James Cameron should ever even even inadvertently try to define what a proper feminist icon is. And I
1: don't I I think what happened was, is that I don't think just by reading it and by listening to a couple of other comments, I don't think he was intending to define feminism. I think he was just intending to say. You know, hey, he,
0: he I, likes a particular brand of feminism.
1: No, I don't even think he was
0: intending to define feminism. I think, I'm i not saying he's t- <laughs> saying to define it. I'm saying he likes a, a specific
1: style of it. Yeah, I, I think he was trying to talk about his films versus, you know, what he did in his films versus what those films, what Wonder Woman did. And and for all of that, uh, Stephen, in response to your question, uh, is Sarah Connor a feminist icon? Um it, she is in a very particular way, which is... Ripley the, is? I'm not sure if Sarah Connor is. Now, I, no, I... Th- no, so to, to me, what feminism is has to do with... <laughs> yeah, this is yeah, the only it, podcast about two straight men talking, talking about, about feminism. feminism. Exactly. So apologies right away. Oh, my. I'm so but, sorry. But but my... my understanding of feminism is has to do with <laughs> equality is general is generalized equality right that's the, the one I and, yeah. yeah and it has to do with basically trying to um look at our gender normal normalization as 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 we yes. understand it and in that regard, and rebalance yes. it um in order to reach equilibrium mm-hmm. and 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 I think in uh, what what I appreciate most about Sarah Connor is she feels like a fully fleshed out human being hundred percent which is a low bar to to mark for for fit for a feminist icon well, she's
0: even beyond a full flesh. I mean she, she there's so many layers to Sarah Connor I mean she is literally a sociopath Like she, she, I mean, granted she's been through hell and there's reasons why she has PTSD. She has, she's like, she's, she's not okay. Right. Uh, and, uh, uh, Linda Hamilton plays her beautifully mm. uh but uh so like there's so there's fully fleshed out as far as a, a you know a script and a
1: I, I think and, what, and
0: a characterization okay. standpoint but then there's also the layers that she puts on it that sort of further along like oh this is a real this is a this could be this is a real person
1: yeah and i think and i think um you're right aliens kind of deals with femininity in a in a Probably in a more interesting way than the Terminator franchise does in that in that the alien queen, it becomes a story of 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 um, motherhood and womanhood. Even
0: beyond that, too. I mean, you're yes, you're 100 percent correct. But also, like, uh, I would say Ripley has more. A full set, a fuller set of character traits that would you that you as a person would want to uh, mirror than Sarah Connor does. Now Sarah Connor's strong as fuck and resilient as hell, but like she also is not I don't, okay. I
1: don't think um, being likable and good. I'm not is talking about that, being likable. I'm or, talking about or I'm, being or being um, uh, fu- fully functional is an inherent trait to, you know, no, no, because no, no. It, think, up, the, think about our male heroes who can be sociopaths as well. Yeah.
0: But what I'm saying is from a, from a, um, I, I think we threw the word at what was like a sort of role model type thing. Yeah. The role, uh, that that's more of what I'm talking about here. Not, not what is a fully fleshed out character. Uh, no, no, yeah, icon. Okay, no, no. I, I think icon was when we were yeah, talking. Okay. About okay. Feminist okay. So, icon.
1: so, so I think to Steven's question, um, is she a feminist icon? Now I think she could be interpreted as one. Sure. If you if you want to do that kind of reading, and there's no reason why she couldn't oh, be. Oh, I got it.
0: I got it. I think she can be. Yeah. But because she's not built to be, does that we're, make sense? Right. So but funny, I don't. I,
1: I don't think Ripley is necessarily either. I think Ripley is Ripley, a fully fleshed sure, human sure. being. No,
0: now we're now we're on the same page with both of them. I think at least in my brain because the reason why you could consider them a feminist, feminist icons is because they're just designed to be full, deep, interesting characters that, you know, what their motivations are either clearly or not, but they feel like real people that are not just set dressing or bullshit. Like they're, they're fully fleshed out characters. And in that way, yes. Right.
1: So, so I think that, that, Um, probably just, I think, you know, again, the, 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 the comment, the way in which it came out, the, the kind of broader questions that this asks, you know, and I think, um, the, the response generally has been is that sexuality can be part of feminism, you know, like, and, 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 and and that seems to be the part that, that James Cameron missed in his, um, he didn't miss it. He just chose not to do it. He missed in his assessment of Wonder Woman. Yeah he seemed know. to he seemed to couch that 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 sexuality meant that that she wasn't necessarily feminist and I and I but think that was, that was that was problematic at what for readers other
0: than other than the fact that Gail Gadot is is pretty Mm-hmm. When was she fucking super sexified? I think
1: he, he, he said that she's a she's a classically objectified character, and there is
0: case uh, that well, I know. Look, Wonder Woman was developed by a dude who literally was was like full fledged into bondage hell. The original breaking point of Wonder Woman was if you could bind her behind her back and her gauntlets touched with her with their fucking lasso of truth, she would become completely submissive. That was canon in DC Comics, right? So she didn't come from a place. But what I love about Wonder Woman, I love that we're talking about this, is that. She the, the community and the people that, that are fans of her have have sort of championed her and turned her into more than the sum of her parts and that is important to me and I think I think that's this other, other side that James Cameron isn't seeing I think again I think he's very clinical yeah. I think he's looking specifically at a film seeing something and saying I wouldn't have done it that way and in a very you know directorial you know big time director way kind of put his foot in his mouth
1: and I, that's I, fine but but to his point and I think you know the 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 under flying note underneath the note kind of thing. I think, you know, his point is that that his films, Aliens and Terminator uh Terminator 2, do a better job of presenting a woman in a fully fleshed out manner than wonder woman. does, I, I don't
0: <laughs> exactly agree with that statement. I think it's done very differently. I think you can have sort of like yeah,
1: uh, that's that maybe if yeah. you're just reading it, but, uh, but I guess maybe I'm couching that in that I think wonder woman is a much lesser film than, than Terminator, And I think this will, this will actually play into my, what I would love to talk about in terms of terminator two.
0: Right. Well, wonder, <laughs> I'll just end it yeah. with this wonder for terminator two is a better film than wonder woman. Yeah. However, we are not judging both films just based on their one character that we've discussed from each one. There are many moving parts that make Terminator two a better film. Okay. So there's, there's, it's a lot more
1: complicated. It's, it's, it. it's a complicated thing. And we are, you know, I think we said this before as well is that you and I are bottom feeders in all of this, you know, we're like jumping on the clickbait and you know, we're, at, we were asked to in this case, but I think, you know, all of this is like someone said something and everyone's turning into something. Wait, else are you and- telling, are you telling me that people aren't, aren't <laughs> hanging on every word we say? I, I mean, yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I mean, like people, people are, <laughs> are tweeting at me like you wouldn't believe right now about how much of a dick I am in terms of, no, buddy. but, but um, my, que- so my, my, my look, I, I stated earlier, <laughs> I love Terminator 2. I think it holds up marvelously. It is a, a, from a, from a purely technical point of view, oh. it is amazing oh. to me that, that, that every time. There are 40, apparently 40, between 40 and 50 visual effect shots in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and now we live in a world now where every film has in the vicinity of 500 and up sure. visual effects shots. Every visual effect in this movie not only stands the test of time in terms of their um, their believability mm-hmm. today, 26 years later. They also still manage to make my jaw drop. And I I was trying to think cl- Analytically about why that is. Um, well,
0: they and still I still haven't to- nailed down liquid metal the same way. Like they it's have it, it like in, in all the different movies with the Terminatrix and yeah, and then, yeah. and then Terminator Genesis where they sort of reboot the timeline. It never looks this good.
1: But, but, and, and the, I think you would argue that it actually looks better in those films, but it's not as effective because the context with which it is presented is nowhere near as realistic or as interesting.
0: No, I will, I will, I will hundred percent empirically say <laughs> that if you put the scene where Ro- Robert Patrick morphs through the hole in the helicopter into the seat uh, against say the new T, 1000 getting shot in these abandoned shopping mall in terminator genesis Mm -hmm. that the one in terminator two intrinsically looks better and the the reason is and it's it's got to be a sort of maybe an uncanny valley thing but at the same time that the it's it's not only what was technically available but it's the it's the way it was implemented and also the the level of restraint Taken, and, that's,
1: um, and I think that's what I mean when I say the context around the effect is is as important. It's like, so so for example, when when the Terminator morphs through the the prison cells right and he any he, uh, and he just slides through there, we have been set up the to bars that, yeah uh, uh, we've been set up to that moment by a couple of things. First off, there are other attackers coming for Sarah, and she cleverly, you know without realizing that this person is there, she breaks off the key, and we there's a close up of that key so that we know that no person can get through these doors, sure, and we don't quite know what the terminator. 1000 is about at this point, we, yeah, we, we no, we, we know that what he is, but we don't know exactly the parameters of what he can and can't do. Like, like we, we, they have a whole we, scene setting it up. They You do. But then like, for example, later on in the film, he like, uh, he flies through, uh, onto a wall and automatically flips himself around. And that's not a parameter that we would understand. It's just something to be like, Oh, he can do that as well. Well, no,
0: I think it's a parameter. You, I mean, I 100% understood it by the time it did it. It, it was a neat So effect. you're saying
1: every time he did something new, you were like, oh, of course he can do that.
0: So when Arnold is riding the bike with John Carner <laughs> and they are talking about what the T-1000 is, they they run down the gamut of what he can and can't do. He can form shapes. He can take the shape of people. He can make stabbing weapons. He can't become gun, guns or knives.
1: Does that, does that mean that you knew that he could morph into the floor?
0: Yes. Really? You knew that right away. Because he could could change himself into any shape or color with equal density. They talk about equal density and mass. So it's a neat thing. It's a neat trick that I didn't think of. But when I saw it, I was never like, oh, my God, I can't believe he does that. I'm like, that's a cool trick with this power set.
1: Okay, so then he goes through those bars. and, And that's like, oh, wow, he can, you know, like... Uh, the parameters of of space, as we understand it don't matter to him. Sure. And then he, but but the but then immediately he like knocks his gun against it, and it yeah, doesn't think about you it. You know, so like there's a, there's this sort of contextual thing where that it's like you get this sort of jaw dropping effect, and then you get this like little moment which like tells you the parameters of that effect. And I think it's really yeah. effective mm-hmm. in like in like making sure that we're always couched in discovery. That's what everything that that's why yeah, I that's, think yeah that's a good call. You, you know, like so for example. Uh, when the um when uh the security guard is walking down the hallway and then he the security guard steps on the chicken floor and then he walks past and then all of a sudden the terminator comes up out of it yep. that's a discovery for us that's like oh shit he can also just slide into walls and stuff he can just hide hide away sure. like that uh when when um he stabs uh the 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 uh, uh john connor's foster father through the mouth with a with a blade Wolfie's fine honey he, Wolfie's just he, fine there, there's a process of discovery. Discovery That we as an audience have in that moment. It's like, Oh, he can do that as well. Just like that moment. Like, uh, when he in the fight with the T eight hundred and he's gets flung against the wall and he immediately flips over, just morphs yep. himself back yep. over. It's like, Oh, not, not only can he take shapes and stuff, he can be really quick and nimble because of this power.
0: He gets punched in the face and it turns into, it morphs himself into grabbing Arnold's
1: fist. You know what? The closest thing, uh, I've had to feeling this way about an effect or something like that is in half life Two. <laughs> Huh. the gravity gun. Oh yeah. You know, when, when you discover like, cause the, and that's what it is. There's a process of discovery with sure. each new yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think that's why the effects in this hold up so well. I think
0: that's an angle. Well, uh, I think it's an aspect.
1: I, I, I still like, look, it's 26 years later. The technology has more, has, has evolved to a degree where, where to do what they're doing purely and simply, today is far easier and there's a layer of complexity you can add to it but i haven't but, done it no no but the thing is the the effect is bitter but the context around the effect it's is not, is not, worse it's and it's this not is about and, the right it's you know, not about the writing it of is it. about it's 100 no, no, about li- the writing hold on it's, first of all
0: the writing is an aspect the moments you said 100 percent that is all writing that that is coming across that's important but i'm talking about literally just looking at a morphing effect of from Terminator two versus a morphing effect of Terminator Genesis Terminator two looks just the visual. I'm not talking about the flourishes and the writing and anything like that looks better. And, 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 and I don't understand how that is. I think what the only thing I can equate it to is people trying new things. And that's great. Like I want, I don't want people to just keep doing the same shit over and over again, but like for whatever reason, this is one effect that no film since then has gotten better at doing And it's you're look as far as why it works in the story and how it builds those sort of moments of discovery. They're talking about a hundred percent. It's the writing. It's the writing. It's the writing, but it boggles my mind in the day. And you work in VFX. Like why can't they make it look as good?
1: I, I, I believe that it, does actually look better now? Like I think the, the visual effects in Terminator Genesis, in terms of the morphing, look better now. But unfortunately, we don't care. There's no process of discovery with it. There's no there's no sense of wonder or awe or, or discovery that comes with it, and that's why it doesn't look better. Like the morphing effect in and I, I there's an there's a great article today um, about an oral history of the visual effects team, and they go through almost everything that they did. The morphing effect um, in. Uh, Terminator Terminator, uh, Terminator Two, uh, when when he comes through the fire, I think is it's. It's a miracle that they pulled it off. You have to look at the technology. They had to create tool sets that yeah. didn't that that weren't even fathomable at the time. Um, so it's a miracle that they even did it. Mm-hmm. I think now you would pull that effect off and it would look a hundred percent better. And I think you can see that, you can see the scenes, but the reason why is the discovery that comes with it. It's the same reason why in Call of Duty or something like that, I don't care when I get a big grenade gun or a rocket launcher or whatever, but in Half-Life 2, a game that came out nearly, what, 10, 15 years ago now? You know, like the process of discovery that comes with the gravity gun still blows my mind, even though I know empirically the visual effects in a new game are much better. But... The process of discovery with every effect are far more impressive, and I, it's
0: think, <laughs> I, I don't disagree with what you're saying, but it goes beyond it. I I, I, I really I I literally v- believe I literally believe you could put it, and, and actually, you know what? This might be an interesting thing that the person I I went and saw this with Kristen, friend of the show, she was on the Warcraft episode, a couple others, yeah. uh, Kristen fight. She had never seen Terminator 2 before. Oh my god! And that made my experience infinitely better just looking <laughs> over and watching her her reaction to a bunch of different stuff that what we're talking about. 100. percent like it's it's what you're saying with the small moments in the writing etc i would love to just show her literally any morphing scene without without a flourish without the gun whatever like cut it off early or do whatever you want to do that and then a a scene from terminator genesis and be like which one looks better because because
1: i honestly believe to your point the visual effects as a fix are miraculous in this movie. They, and How come they hold up? How come those hold? I up? think I I think it's OK. So yeah. they're miraculous. And, and the point that I, yeah. you know, like I want to make as well is that they are the foundation for which visual effects are developed today. Sure. They built the tool set that make things happen today. But the reason they hold up is that they're surrounded within a context that is that is all about discovery.
0: And I and I really
1: believe that's, that's not
0: why the pure visual
1: works. They though. are excellent. They're excellent effects. They really, really excellent effects. They 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 work wonderfully. They are, they are massively conceived and they are. And, and the thing that's amazing about them is they're conceived within the context of the story that they're in. So they're not like things don't just happen for the sake of happening. You know, they happen because, because, you know, like, even though this was the most expensive film of its time, I think the budget was $92 million or something like that. Um, there's a reason why every shot is there. Yeah. Like they're, they're telling a specific part of the story and, and they, and they work to continually build up information Mm -hmm. around. So they are jaw dropping. And I think I, but, but, you know, just fundamentally, I agree with you that they do look just in the same way that the the effects in Jurassic Park still look good. Like, you know, they, they do look excellent. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, but, but I would, I, I would just, you know, urge to say the, the, the dinosaur of the pure one-to-one relationship of effects between say Jurassic park and Jurassic world, the Jurassic world effects are better There is more that you can do with the actual lighting. There's more that you can do with the actual musculature. There's more that you can do in terms of the, the, the processing of movement now than you couldn't do then. But the movie is better at giving you moments that actually hold up. Now, they still look. Good. It's not like we're, we're, know, not, we're, going we're going not. We're going. We're not, no, no, we're not comparing like um, rudimentary effects, like in King Kong in the original King Kong movie from sure. 1937 or something like that, where you can see the stop motion animatic or anything like that. These are still high level effects.
0: Again, I'm not arguing that it the, the the scripting and the reason why and the whole basically the whole hodgepodge of stew that makes a film good or bad is not at play here. Of course, it is. But like, for instance, you want to do the Jurassic Park, Jurassic World analogy. Th- that that to me this and this oh hot take uh so terminator 2's visual effects without even all of the the spiciness that you're talking about in script and whatever are better than terminator genesis now the the effects in Jurassic Park versus Jurassic World. I would argue that the effects in Jurassic World are better than in Jurassic Park. And they are. Yeah, but but but, they're, but, they're,
1: but, they're, but, but I and, don't care. But this is
0: the thing. And do you, <laughs> do you know the actual? Because I don't. Do you know the actual process they use to make the T uh, one thousand and T two? Uh,
1: yeah, I have the. So the article is the oral history of the Terminator Two visual sure. fix, and you can read through, which goes through pretty in some pretty fine detail the the actual. Writing of programs that were created in that.
0: So the programs that they use to make that stuff, for whatever reason, Mm -hmm. has a more tactile, and 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 lived in and realistic for especially the film that they were making uh, the, uh better well,
1: okay okay one thing that could could be couched in why you think that is is that uh for example they had to render the those um those were for example today when we work in uh digital fix we render at 4k for you know and yep. we can actually create a render at 4k yep. uh which would in 1991 or 1989 when this film was coming out to do a render at two k which is the project is the the yep. the actual projection of cinema at the time would be ludicrous so they would do it at 1k and then scale it up and then not only that the film was actually shot on film so it would have that that Filtering process would have to be then project you know shot onto film and then added to so there is there is a way to suggest that perhaps the optical it feels real the optical effects of combining but that's something that we do now as well in visual effects that's something that we take into account to f- account for I know. now
0: and I'm not saying that oh in ninety one it was the pinnacle and never nothing's ever gotten better no I'm literally just saying that for whatever reason whatever process they did whatever fucking dark magics they had to to make deals with the devil to make it happen. <laughs> The liquid metal portion, and then we should move on, uh, just still holds up, still looks better than any liquid metal I have seen in any film ever made till then. And I bet you it has a lot to do with the process that you're talking about. With, with maybe it's just something. And again, maybe I I mean, this is obviously opinion, but like for me, maybe it is something that having to do with all, the entire thing you just said, how it had to be projected back onto film. And that made it feel sort of lived in and like just sort of realistic where this other stuff, all that stuff is still being done. It's just done all in a computer. So like. It was know.
1: still being done in a computer back then.
0: I think, I think to the but point. But then you even said they projected it onto film and then they had to marry those to, two things they together. They had to
1: do a, a telecine print back yeah, they're on They're not film. doing that now. Well, no, because there's no film. That's but, what I'm
0: saying. But there's something, there's, something, there's something to whatever magic stew or process that they did that made it just the best for me. That's all I'm saying.
1: <laughs> but but see, here's that thing I wanted to say about it as well. It was like, why, why does it feel that way? Why do you think that feels? That I
0: way? literally just said that. I think it feels that way because you just of, said it was magic stew. Because of <laughs> the pro, I'm calling the process that they did the magic stew. Right. Uh the, the how for whatever reason the technique and the technical acumen that they did in that process makes the, the effect and the whole thing look better and feel more real than whatever they are doing today.
1: And, and, you, and you don't think that that has to do, you 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 don't think necessarily it has to do with the context around which these scenes are written.
0: You don't listen to me. What I'm I'm asking you that? I literally have agreed with you like five times of course it all helps it all builds upon the thing that makes this movie a masterpiece there is no question that the context of these scenes we are talking about gain an incredible amount of strength due to the things that are around them or the little flourishes that they put in with the writing etc I have said this already but again I will go back because this is not getting through and I want to (laughs) move on if you take all that away and you just look at one little liquid ball versus another little liquid ball the one from 91 looks more real that's all i'm saying <laughs>
1: uh okay we'll move on if that if that's what you want to do um i, I let's talk I,
0: about let's talk about more of the story <laughs> stuff than these little things that you'd like that you're bringing up that i think have such a stronger feeling in in the rest of the film i think i think um yeah in all so, aspects in all aspects <laughs> of the film not <laughs> just the effects.
1: yeah in all aspects of the film it, it fundamentally works and and i think the thing to to remember as well is that, is that this isn't like a pure... I'm doing this because I want to tell a bit better story kind of scenario. You know, James Cameron was offered a lot of money to write this <laughs> script and he was basically coming off the abyss, which was, which really underperformed at the box office. Um, and, and just from a visual effects point of view as well, one thing that, that was interesting is, is the abyss was kind of the testing ground yep. for the liquid middleman with the, the, the liquid petapod that was in the abyss, but in the abyss, they kind of did, did it from one scene and we're like well if this doesn't work we can just cut this scene out and so they were kind of stacked in Terminator they kind of said well we did it in that one scene now we're going to do it in the whole film and we're going to commit to it the whole way through um but to 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 that point remember that this is not a a non cynical kind of uh point where where uh, you know, like he's doing it for the love of it, or anything like that, or he's got something unique to say about this. He's being offered a lot of money. Arnold Schwarzenegger is the biggest movie star on the planet. This is the movie that made him famous. He's being offered the the biggest budget in the world to do this. So, what's amazing about that mm-hmm. is that that is essentially the equation that we get in modern films today when you're being asked to do a sequel to a popular franchise. Yet, in amongst that, he maintains not he he doesn't he doesn't just have some Something to say. He expands upon. The things that he was saying in Terminator One. Now, remember the the foundation of Terminator is anxiety about nuclear war. It's anxiety about about the the possibility of the species entirely destroying itself. You know, sure. John Connor says we're we're destined to do this, aren't we? And and the Terminator says it's in within your nature to destroy each other. This is the anxiety that the entire series is is, is built upon.
0: The and, first two, yeah,
1: yeah. And he takes that. That, and he and he still builds that into a narrative. Like he doesn't just abandon that. This film, the ending of this film, you know, is basically saying we can avoid this if we want to. There's a, there's an optimism to the end of this film. It is it is, and 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 in amongst that as well is this horror of what that means. It's not just an idle threat. The scenes of the nuclear holocaust that mm. that are in this film are horrific in a way that 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 is almost indescribable. And it's funny because in Terminator 3, they almost have the exact same scene. Not effective. And and it's not effective. And I would say it's not effective for the same reasons, which is that it's not... Anchored by a performance by of Linda Hamilton, who is the the Cassandra character in this film. She has seen the future and is and is belittled because of it um, but But when we see her vision and we see her flesh being torn away and we see children basically burning to the ground it 's not just it 's not just you know like oh that 's a really good effect it 's a case of that really tells me exactly why you know Sarah Connor is so traumatized right now, and why she needs to do what she needs to do. It's it, and it's something that no other film gets. And so the miraculous thing about this film in its writing and its execution is that this is, film is designed to be a moneymaker. It's a franchise. It's a it's a franchise build, but it takes what was was implicit in the first movie and makes it explicit, and does it without having to say, you know, it does it without being pedantic. It does, it does it without being pious. It doesn't, it does it still through the talent of, of that's something James Cameron does very well, which is um, storytelling through action. It's something I, that we talked about in Mad Max. It's something that we talked about a lot.
0: Well, it's funny. So let's bring up Mad Max because we do. Yeah. Uh, there's a reason why this film does that. And it's because it is oddly enough. And I do believe this, whether you'd like James Cameron or not, It's an auteur sort of piece. Yes, it's the biggest thing and yes, it's whatever. But for whatever reason, he had still complete control over the damn thing and he could tell whatever story he wanted to do. So he took the opportunity that a lot of people, maybe some people might phone it in. He he didn't. And then the studio trusted him enough to not get in his fucking way. But now when we have big budget movies, oh, my God. It is not just what they, we've talked about this before. They get fresh faces off of great Indies so they can control them. So they don't have a James Cameron that they can't say no to, or that can't say no to them. Like, so like the Mad Max is a perfect example of that because, because again, this is, miller's vision like it's it he, it's his world and he's doing it and that's that now i'm not saying that works out 100 percent of the time every time but i bet you if you took talented people and you said you have control like one talented person versus even if you have like six talented people i'm, I'm even saying these people are talented i don't yeah. think all these in this scenario would be but like six talented people and then, like, maybe three useless people. Like the one that's just one person who's talented and in control is gonna make a better product than this weird by committee. Oh god, we have to deal with Sam's cousin because he's the fucking studio heads and whatever. Like, it's just like it's there's too much muck at this point when it comes to huge budgets. And I love that this thing existed in a time that this th- there this is the largest film ever made. And you know what? We're gonna trust this guy, James fucking Cameron, to, to take Arnold fucking Schwarzenegger and make the greatest action movie of all time that is... I mean, it's still... It's still excellent. and We can get into why.
1: Well, the, the little exercise I did was that I took, uh, I went through IMDB and I pulled up basically analogous films that have come out since 1991. And I just wrote, scribbled down the names of films of note that I thought came, you know, like that were of interest, you know, like maybe, you know, cause it's obviously unfair to say, to compare Terminator 2 to American Beauty, or it's unfair to compare Terminator 2 to 12 Years a Slave or something like that. Is it though? why I, I think in terms of like where the, the, the level of operation that those films work on, I think it's unfair to, to suggest that they're, uh, and uh, directly analogous. I don't, am not well, following may, may, maybe it's a, maybe for me, it's a filtering process. So I'm not you know trying to say, you know, cause there are films that have come out since Terminator two that I adore and I don't, you know, like they can just be different kinds of films. What I did want to okay. do was look at ki- the kinds of films that, that, that Terminator 2 is analogous to since the release, you know, like big visual effects driven films that that are summer releases that are designed to bring in a popcorn. That's that point I was trying to make earlier, which is that this is not like, uh, uh, an affair of the heart or something like that. You know, like there's a lot of money behind Terminator 2. There's a lot riding on this. People are still invested in this movie, making money. It's got one of the biggest movie stars on the planet. People are throwing money left right and center to make this movie. So I pulled up, all of these movies uh, between now, and I would love if you took a second to look through them. And I, I my theory is this: there are a couple of movies uh, since 1991 that I think are excellent movies that 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 work yeah, in the same said, what's way. The, what's the list? It's it's the list of movies since then. I think Terminator 2. If you released it any summer, any year since 1991 to today, it would be a better film than every movie that came out that year. Okay. And, and, and I'm, that's the thing I wanted to like get into is like, why does this film feel so relevant? Why does it hold up? Why does it outpace every blockbuster that, that we are, that we're seeing today? I think this is a common complaint that I have
0: on the podcast. I I, I honestly feel like it is, um it is the reason sort of that i said it before it's it's literally a very talented person's vision that is allowed to follow through and through from beginning to end what the actual story is um and and i think it sort of goes from a level of talent i mean it reads some off to me i'm not gonna read through that entire long ass list
1: (laughs) okay so um kill bill
0: okay why why is terminator 2 better than kill bill
1: yeah Hmm. does do you think Terminator 2 is a more fictive film than kill bill
0: yes it okay. is more effective but like i mean all these answers are going to be yes but i feel like it's all the same reasons and and i think i mean i have a whole a whole sort of i have a whole why does it still work section in my notes uh which might answer some of this stuff okay i don't, I don't quite know but, but again I, i'd be hard pressed even just glancing at your list to pick something that i think is an all-around better film. Mad Max: Fury Road is close.
1: Yeah, so there's a couple for me that are close, and the ones that are close for me are Minority Report.
0: Oh no, uh, fucking way!
1: I love Minority Report. Children of Men. Children of Men. Yeah, I can uh, see that. Um, Heat, which came out a few years Jurassic later. Jurassic Park. Park. Of course. Um, Cabin in the Woods, Conjuring, nah, Mad I mean, Max: I Fury love Road. Cabin in
0: the Woods. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. uh,
1: those are the those are the films that I would kind of put. But like most of the films that have come out, most of the big films that have come out in the last 26 years haven't held up to Terminator Two. Okay.
0: Here's my first reason why. Okay. Uh, I think it's because I'm going to go back to nine year old me. Okay. Uh, it is because Terminator two is more than the sum of its parts. Mm-hmm. It is a film that yes. It, what genre is it? It's an action movie. It has a big budget. It has time travel. So it's sci-fi great uh there's lots of those Mm -hmm. the reason why it's better than all of the other ones that fall into that genre is the the level of I mean again I always go back to this but character development and care of how a the story unfolds to these characters that you eventually you, you very quickly become attached to uh, it's all again this is where this is where I feel like the stuff you're talking about it again it does still play into the visual effects stuff there's no question but this is where I feel like that stuff is far more apt when a film takes these moments liquid metal T1000 going through prison bars and his gun gets stuck because he didn't think of it because why would he like there's little things things like that that make the world itself just feel in these fantastic situations feel real and you take that level of the cake and you go one higher and you then get to the point where it's about again what you talked about before it's 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 yeah it's silly it's a time traveling robot sent back in time to kill a kid who's going to be the leader of resistance against the war against them okay like calm the fuck yeah, down it's it's silly. it's silly as hell and if you keep track of the <laughs> movies the timeline is so broken now it doesn't <laughs> even matter Um, but then you take that and you then You take a silly premise and you put this legit sort of um, narrative and and undercurrent of nuclear Holocaust and what that actually means and showing it in a meaningful and visceral way, then then you're like, oh, like this steps it up a level. This is an action movie. But you know what? This is actually you could you could take this further. It could be having a little bit to do with politics. It could be actually a human, a human sort of not rights, but I'm trying to think of like the the, the proper terminology for it. Just like um, I think I think are you trying to say that it's relevant? It's it's relevant, but it's relevant beyond what it was built to be that's sort of my point about it and because it okay so it has a ton of different the story itself yes it's about like nuclear holocaust there's no question that's 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 or that's the core but it's also a story for instance about bucking fate okay so the the whole thing is uh you know the future's not set there's no fate but we make what we make for ourselves uh and again even though the newer films have sort of tried to ruin it let's stick with terminator (laughs) 2 um so there's so many tales about the chosen one right there's so many tales about like oh this person's destined to luke whatever darth vader anakin's gonna bring balance to the four like you know chosen one chosen one chosen one it's a classic trope there's nothing wrong with it but the thing that makes this sort of special is even though john is the target of a machine from the future sent to kill him because he's going to be the general he's not a chosen one they never put sarah sarah connor was a waitress before all this nonsense happened to her like she she's there's no there's no like Sarah, you've been fated to raise John. Like that's not what this movie is about. This is instead we're presented with no one as a destined one. We're, we're they're just forced into it based on the time, and they're going along with things the best these characters possibly can. And the the entire series is based around the fact that anything can change, and no one is really special. Like John's don't, only don't special. You
1: think, don't you think the entire series is based on the idea that John is the chosen one? John is not the chosen one. John is just
0: a skilled jet. So the difference is this is where time travel comes in because mm-hmm. John is not. No one in the past said this little boy is going to save humanity. The only this is where follow me down this weird rabbit hole. Okay, I'm following. Uh, Only people from the future have said that. And since they are from the future, that is not prophecy. He is not prophesized. He is not the chosen one. He just happens to be the guy that is the right man for the job. It's a way the character is pre- an important character is presented, and it can only be done like this in a time travel type film. No, there's never uh, you, like these characters like, like Anakin Skywalker. He's all about. He's the destined to be the one. He's probably the one who's the chosen one who's going to bring balance. Blah blah. blah and that it was written in tomes ages ago. Like all these sort of hero myths and stuff like that of these characters that are that are that are that are just no matter what they're going to persevere and come through. But you know what? This movie, what it does, another sort of aspect of it the t1000 or any of these terminators could have gone back and won like it 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 never feels like when you when you're said to someone a character in the beginning of a film like harry potter or whatever is like the chosen one or he's, he's the i forget what the terminology of that sort of is mm-hmm. right i'm never thinking he's gonna die without winning But when I saw this, when I, when, when you're in these films for whatever reason, because John and Sarah are not presented in that way, there is a sense of weight. The whole thing is about how fate doesn't matter. Like, so there can't be a chosen one.
1: Anyway, that's one aspect of it. That's that's just one slice of this weird little pie that I'm going to just interject and say I disagree that that the film doesn't present John as the chosen He's one. He's not I, because I, of
0: how it how how the actual I think narrative
1: the, goes. The the construction of it is slightly different to say how a Star Wars does it and how a, a Harry John, Potter does it. But the film literally opens with you know if you go back to Terminator One, Michael being saying your 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 unborn child is the leader of the resistance and I was sent back to protect you in order to protect him. But you're not following
0: what. Actual prophecy or what someone being chosen is—you can't have that because that I literally think there's,
1: a, there's a there's a flipping of it because of the the time travel element. That's took. why. But but, but and John fact, is central to the and resistance. the fact that what is more central to that is there's no fate
0: but what we make for ourselves. Therefore, there cannot be a chosen one.
1: I think that's what's clever about Terminator 2. In that in that the the third act of Terminator 2, when they decide to basically go on blow the... blow up Skynet or they blow go up, on uh, Cyberdyne, they go on the Adolf Hitler mission. You know the, of time travel. You yeah. know basically, can we can we kill the person um, that that causes the destruction? Miles Dyson. She's think, gonna blow him away. I think what's, what's what's... What's ingenious about um, is about that third act is that it takes a turn that is logical to the film, but breaks what we think what the direction that we think the film is going to go. I still think that the film still still um, trades in the historically central one, you know, Jesus Christ kind of central figure. No. No, nope. I think it does. Nope. He's still the one child. He's still central to this thing. He's, he's, still- he's a main character
0: that is going to do something important in the future. Yeah. That's not the chosen one. If he, <laughs> it, to be honest, like, and this is the, this is the interesting thing about it. The, the world that the Terminator series puts out there. If John Connor dies. Yeah. Skynet might win for a while, but then someone else could just come up. Like it's not like
1: right. But I don't think any film has posited any. No, of but the, no film has also called him caused called him the chosen one. Probably not by name. That's but I think, my point. But but hang on. But but he's still a central prophet. You know, he's like Neo. He's, he's, he's like Luke no, Skywalker. He's central no. to the, oh. he's central to the narrative. He's I, central listen, to the narrative, listen. but he's
0: not, he's not literally other characters are like, Oh, he he's the chosen one. He's destined to beat the machines. Literally
1: like, Michael Bean from Terminator says those words.
0: He's not, <laughs> he's not destined because the information is coming from the future. A prophecy is something I, that someone has foreseen in the
1: past. I, I, I will uh, I I mean, look, I think I think the way in which the information is presented kind of flips it on its head in some way. But John is still the core reason. Like there are two Terminators sent back to kill this character, not any other character. This particular because character. that's
0: the way history happened to play out. Yes. Okay.
1: But how does that not yeah, anyway, that, we're, we're that, talking how does in that circles. Not we're not going we're
0: literally not going <laughs> to convince each other. This is, I'm sure getting boring. So, <laughs> so let's just, let's just, I'll back it up a little bit and say this, the way that the narrative of John Connor is structured in this world where fate, actually, you can change it is very interesting and not a normal thing in movies like this.
1: I I will agree that the the time travel element does flip it around somewhat, but he's still so it's
0: it's it's a mm. it's a film on certain levels about bucking fate, and that is important to a piece of its longevity. Another piece is it's a story uh, and a little bit more minorly so, but it is a story about forgiveness. So like Sarah right is raising John Connor and trying to teach him to become this great military leader because that's what mm. you know whatever that's
1: what she's been told. That's what that- she's been told.
0: Yeah. So uh but then it turns out that you know cuz everyone who heard this would think that she's crazy they lock her up in a mental institution and John even has a great thing where he's talking to Budnick from Salute Your Shorts and he's like uh, he's like yeah it turns out she's a huge wacko and she's like oh yeah you, you didn't know kid too bad for you like like the, basically putting him in a foster home after he's learned nothing but like military tactician ship and how to run guns right. like this is not a normal childhood and now he has to try to acclimate so then when eventually you know the, the T-1000 comes and the shit's hitting the fan he has to he decides to go rescue his mom because even though he's he, in his mind before this point when he sees that all this is real she's fucked him over and now he's like oh my god like she's correct everything she's told has and, been and correct. now and now like it's a it's sort of a level of forgiveness almost the same to the fact that of Sarah's arc with Miles Dyson because right. she at first goes on murderous rampage to try to kill him thinking it'll stop Skynet but then she realizes she's literally attacking a man for something that he hadn't done yet and what are the moral ramifications of that and and then through sort of him working with her etc etc there's a level of forgiveness between like those two characters there's, there's just a lot of like people thinking the world works one way and then having right at the brink of like literally of like pulling down on the weight of a trigger and with someone's head and then being like fuck no this is wrong and coming to sort of a realization about how people are more of the, than the sum of their parts and how forgiveness actually can move things more forward than you think it can.
1: You know one of the I think one of the the beautiful it's an example of beautiful writing uh is the scene after the Pescadero uh, hospital chase mm-hmm. and uh and um Okay. Uh, John goes in for they're in the back of a police car. John goes in for a hug. And, and we think that, or, or Sarah goes in for a hug with John and we think that, you know, Oh, she's, you know, like her maternal instincts are coming when back. It's into, not. And she, and she searches, you know, like she, she's basically searching for bullet holes for any cuts for yep. the, you know, she still believes the things that she believes and she's not willing to like release the kind of um, maternal instincts that she think will, she thinks will put John in danger. And it's this beautiful moment where you realize that, that the thing that, she's searching for is a mother and the thing that she's searching for is still to be the mother of the leader of the, of the resistance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a, it's just a, cause it's, a, it's done without like them having a conversation about yep. it. everything you need to know about that exchange. You happened.
0: want, you want some of my fries? Uh,
1: no. Yeah. She doesn't even respond, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's just an example of beautiful writing. And I think, and I think to your point about this idea that the film is is complicating the idea of fate that is something that is implicit in the first film, is that it opens up this third act to like a what if? Yep. The first the first film is basically Twelve Monkeys la jete. It's the yep. it's the idea of the circular loop. Um, the second film is about breaking that loop. Yep. And I think it does it in an interesting way.
0: It's also a story, and we we're talking about aliens and an alien about motherhood. It's, it's so it's a story kind of about fatherhood. The Terminator is clearly obviously a metaphor for a non-existent like real father figure for John. Of course, that's you know the VO he, in tells an insane that
1: world about. he's the same yeah, as choice. the same
0: as choice i mean th- that that oh god that whole fucking monologue is beautiful just like uh, talking about like sarah how she's i mean sarah is having a hard time with this too because this is the face of the thing that hunted her now protecting the thing that was hunting originally and
1: i think it's a it's a wonderful kind of challenging narrative you know yeah. like to actually put your character in that position
0: but it's just so interesting because like so you see john's foster parents and they seem fine but they're not going to live up to this 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 pinnacle of what, what what actually john kind of needs in this machine like and also oh uh and also it's it's a different sort of uh dynamic too than we're used to in these sort of paternal stories because yes you have the terminator who's like the the protector who's never going to be too busy to spend time with him. i won't get drunk and hit him as she sort of says in this monologue but also you have john teaching the Terminator how to be more human yeah, teaching by humanity and there's something to that where now now John uh, the Terminator is obviously the sort of strong masculine like part of fatherhood but John is actually and more of an uh, uh, um, analogy for the teaching of a actual child to the Terminator and it's this beautiful sort of intermingling of that that really uh, that really hits home and you don't get to see in stories kind of outside of this a lot so that's a huge thing side note mm-hmm. so the the version of the film that was in 3d uh, by the way 3d it's not worth seeing but but, i mean that's neat you're like oh that's cool but like every 3d movie you forget that it's 3d five minutes into it and you don't care
1: i hate to uh, say it to james cameron but stop trying to make 3d hit thing it's i not know gonna it's thing. not going to
0: be a thing um but, but um but it is worth seeing terminator 2 3d in the theater because you get to see terminator 2 in the theater that's that's what i will say but so they chose the version of the film that i after seeing this deleted scene i couldn't believe they took it out ever in, in any cut of the film. And that is when they are hiding in the garage after they get away from Pescadero. And, uh, there's in the original version of the film, there's a throwaway line being like, uh, why do you have to be so weird or whatever? And he's like, well, I learn when I'm around people, he's like, Oh, so you can be more human. He's like, yeah. And then after that moment, it's all questions from the Terminator. It's all things like it's, he's just acting a little, like a little bit too different after just like one night in a thing. And the scene they cut out, um, is a scene where, uh, they're repairing, like oh, they're repairing each other. The Terminator is sewing up Sarah Connor, and Sarah Connor's pulling bullets out of the Terminator. And uh, they have a conversation about, well, why, why can't you learn? He's like, well, when we're put out into the field, our our neural net processors are put into safe mode, so we don't like become too. Basically, he's saying so we don't go native, right? Uh, and so they're like, well, can we? John's like, can we switch it? And he's like, yeah, but you have to take it out. So they take it out. The, they work in this whole thing and the VFX are neat knit and whatever it doesn't even matter uh, there's a cool scene with the mirror there's a lot of visual trickery do you, to,
1: do you want to know a really cool like lo-fi effect that was done there
0: yeah well yeah you can tell
1: I know what? it but tell them for the people Oh, what, what was your one
0: what no it's the it's the uh, I forget but the the angle of the mirror with how Arnold was talking about is that what you're saying or what
1: no Sarah Con- uh Linda Hamilton actually has a twin sister
0: oh that's <laughs> right that's right that's and right she's
1: actually playing her in in the opposite yeah. on the opposite side yeah. so which so, I think is rad
0: so the, but then the second that they take the chip out Sarah Connor puts it on a table and grabs a uh, wrench or a mallet and goes to smash it because she still doesn't trust the Terminator. John jumps over the chip. She almost hits John. They have a big altercation and John finally convinces her that they need this Terminator. There's a lot of things that happen here. One, one, you get a reason why the Terminator starts acting a little goofy and weird and starting to become a little more human and that's important to the narrative for me two you get to the point where John says something along the lines of like how am I supposed to be this great military leader if no one ever fucking trust me and that sort of shatters Sarah Connor's sort of belief system of like it "Go." that's where she goes from just checking him for bullet holes to kind of being like no like I need this is an actual child of mine and an actual human being not just the thing that's going to save us so there's all this shit rolled into this five minute scene that i feel is very crucial this version of the film didn't have it as well it it, um and and that uh, ever since seeing that scene whenever I watch versions of it without that scene I'm always just like whoo like I get cutting down for runtime but like there's a, so much to unpack that you just tried to save with one line and if you didn't know that existed it works but knowing it exists
1: uh, I gotta say I'm kind of uh, I, I think the scene there are other scenes in the film that have been uh, there's one controversial scene that was cut out uh, very smartly so which one are you talking? Uh, the very final Scene where Sarah khan is in a park. Oh and fuck an old, well, that scene! Yeah, yeah, that scene. Fuck that scene. Needs to come out. Yeah. Uh, I am not I'm mad at the scene not being there because I think a lot of what you say it needs to happen. You know, in terms of that information, that just happens through action. I, I don't think it's a terrible scene. It doesn't really happen through like but, we get but but I, it, but we don't have a reason why it's happening. I, I don't think it's a terrible scene, but I don't actually need it to for the story to move forward it's and just
0: every character starts acting
1: differently than they did before and you don't quite know why there's one piece of information that's in that the the extended version that isn't in the original version and the taking of that out just makes the rest of it work for me and that's when he says my my cpus in read-only mode that's not something that's in the theatrical cut they just kind of say yeah. well that's, the, that's the reason she, they take she, i think out. at some point she uh, he Safe asked mode. her uh, yeah, so that information is not in the theatrical yep. cut. So there's no there's no distinction between read only and that thing. I think to, I think at one point he asks, "Can you learn things?" And he goes, "I'm constantly acquiring data." Um, but that's it. It's not like you know I'm in read only mode or anything like that. And I, for me, that's all I need to know. Well, now that, it's that, a, it's a, it's, it's not a saves
0: two. one bit of it, but it doesn't for me anyway. It doesn't save it, the other stuff. Well, the other Sarah thing, the,
1: well, the Sarah and John thing for me works in the scene in the fact that he comes to he comes to stop her from killing Miles Dyson and convince her that there's another way and I think that's where she kind of appreciate for me I get that information now I'm not saying that it's not in the, the extended But scene. she,
0: well hold on she doesn't kill Miles Dyson on her own and then they show up
1: no, she stopped by. She, she, she decides not to. And then he convinces her that there's another way.
0: Right, right. But she stops.
1: She does not kill Because him. she doesn't want to kill a kid. You know, like his, his, Miles Dyson's kid jumps on Tom. Well, no, she dunk.
0: sees that there's, there's an actual man behind this monster that they've painted and she collapses into a corner and then the Terminator and John Connor walk in.
1: Right. But, but there's a kid there that jumps in front of, in front yeah, of. But he, yeah, but she
0: has a clean shot. Like it's <laughs> not, it's the kid's just there. Like, don't shoot my daddy. That's really then it sort of makes, well, it makes, it's not about shooting the kid in my opinion. It's no, it's about, not about shooting the kid It's, about it's about shooting, realizing, shooting, 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 shooting father. someone's father.
1: Yeah. I think, I think, I, I agree that that scene does all that work. I just don't think. I think that information comes through anyway it's and, and, so and, and, it's, me, and to me I just, I can't. And also I will say that there's a um, John Connor like if there's any weak link in the film and he's not that weak it's Eddie furlong yeah. and the more that itty furlong has to have those kinds of speeches the less I'm kind of well he just, of is-
0: he's just become a little dated we actually had an exercise after we watched this movie we're like man could you imagine if this movie was came out today like <laughs> the first time or whatever and when so when, when John Connor's in the car teaching Arnold like words right after they leave that garage like no you can't just say affirmative you got to be like chill out or you can do combinations of chill out the thick wad, like that sort of shit could you imagine the garbage that like and this is me coming Mm -hmm. off as an old man but could you imagine the garbage that like like current day john connor would be teaching the terminator like it would be like about dabbing and -hmm. like emojis and like what the fuck was on fleek like it's just like the wording of it just like so while john connor feels dated I feel like any sort of young character in that would also feel dated. Now Eddie Furlong hams it up. Yeah. Like there's no question,
1: but and I he's just playing, find that exercise he's playing in the world of 1990, yeah. you know, he's playing in the, in the Bart Simpson world of 1991. Yeah. Um, Eat my shorts yeah exactly you know it's, it's that kind of understanding of yeah. you know rebellious youth yeah um, my, so my oh sorry then, then the last thing just to
0: sort of put the, the cap on my sort of reasons why I think this film is special and why it still stays sort of true and good it's a story about again and there's a lot of stories like this but you don't really expect this to sort of hit his home in a popcorn action film it's a film about love and sacrifice like right. in in the face of weird weird huge adversity so it's like the Terminator was first program to give its life for John but then as the film progresses it becomes more human and then chooses to sacrifice himself for a in, a in a way that before he had that interaction and honestly for me anyway and I know it's fine for different people but before that chip was switched and he could do that he that that wasn't even fathomable so the change and the w- the type of sacrifice he was willing to make then the meaning behind that sacrifice is completely different and there's a whole thing of growth there Sarah's willing to give her life to project J- John to stop judgment day that's a given and then Miles chooses to sacrifice. I mean, this is a sort of smaller going down the spectrum. Miles chooses to sacrifice his professional life and his actual life in the end to stop what he thinks is going to be his fault. So there's so, so it just in summation of all of those things, very rarely does one film pull one of those things off. Totally believable. Mm -hmm. This film does all of those things in all of its pieces with all of its mastery from all of its uh, all of its you know piece all of the the people that were involved in making this film it pulls off all of those and never misses a fucking beat if the only thing we can really like if we're like mm. oh that doesn't feel right is is for a long sort of Bart Simpson esque character yeah we're doing okay yeah and just none of the films on this list that you've compiled you can say that about all of them they all have some sort of fault or two to them whether that's where the auteurism came from if there was some committee shit if there was a weak moment in writing if there was just a perfunctory third act like there's a lot of just different things I'm seeing on this list And Terminator doesn't suffer from any of that and shines in so many ways that you don't expect a movie in this genre to do.
1: And I would say, looking at this list, the only film that comes close you know, is a recent film. That's Mad Max Fury Road, unfortunately. And and Jurassic Park. Those are the, those are the three, like, you know, I, I, uh, Heat is another one that I absolutely adore. And I think, you know, does that as well. I think, you know, like I was thinking about my favorite scenes from the movie to, to surmise why I think this film is effective. And, and when I think about my, my three favorite scenes in this movie, None of them have anything to do with visual effects. No, the th- my three fa- absolute favorite scenes in this movie, and 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 I think you know this is going to couch why I think this movie sustains itself so well, not despite being a visual effects heavy movie, but also compounded with the fact that sure. it is an extraordinarily visual, extraordinary visual effects movie. Is my the first one is when Sarah sees the Terminator for the first time. It, 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 you know, she's in the, oh, yeah. gym, and she falls backwards. And this woman that we have just seen obliterate an entire hospital staff, you know, with wits, with strength, with power, with, wi- with, uh, windshield washer fluid, windshield washer fluid, you know, like, um, is just reduced to a shrieking miss. Yep. She's just like this is the the horror of her dreams, you know, like come to life again. Mm-hmm. And and it's a it's a perfect it's an example of what why this film is good is that it maintains its 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 belief in character. And and the the second <laughs> one is is to the point that you made which is about it is actually about something. So the idea of sacrifice and the idea of sacrifice in the face of our, our instincts, you know, like, like, and so there, there's a couple of examples of that, but the one that's important to me, the one that I feel is the most heartbreaking, the one that works the the best is Miles Dyson's sacrifice mm-hmm. when he decides that, you know, look. Everything I've been working my entire life towards, everything that I am about, every excitement that I had about this project, is now meaningless. And not only is it meaningless, as in I'm going to stop doing this, I'm going to go actively out of my way to prevent this from happening. Because why would and destroy you? my life in the process? Yeah, and it's 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 like the the question: if you could tell Hitler that you are the reason why this many people would die, would you be? You know, it'd be kind of amazing if Hitler turned around and said. Shit, I can never let this happen. And that's like this beautiful little moment because because for Sarah, she has always thought that 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 you know like this man is just, you know, like and she says it, she couches it in terms of like masculinity. She says, like, men like you built the hydrogen bomb. You thought it would be a good idea. Mm-hmm. But like, look where it took us. And and so what what's important here is that the film is deeply pessimistic about about humanity you know the the shot of the children like, oh my god you know shooting at each other and john looks at them and says we're kind of fucked you know we're doomed aren't we and they can't says,
0: even agree on who shot each other first
1: right yeah you i shot you i shot you and he says it, and the Terminator, you know just using some some book or something that it's probably learned at some point in its databases it's in your nature to kill each other it's in your nature to destroy yourselves and So it's a deeply pessimistic view. And again, the nuclear Holocaust is not like just some idea in this film. It is, it is visualized in a, in a terrible way. Um, But it is also an, an eternally optimistic film about how much we can change it. So it's actually, it's pessimistic about what we are as a, as a species bound to do, but it's optimistic about people making the right choices. The
0: future is not set. Mm
1: -hmm. And and I think, you know, like Mad Max Fury Road has that same sentiment mm-hmm. and it's, you know, it's that same sense of sacrifice. And then we, when, when I think of the film in those terms and I anchor it in those ways, you know, other moments become, you know, beautiful. Like for example, when Arnold, when the T-800 decides to go out uh, in the middle of a SWAT raid and only kneecap people, there's a, there's this beautiful <laughs> moment that happens. And
0: the hap- minigun with zero point zero casualties.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's a beautiful moment that happens right before that, which is that it, it and Side note: James Cameron seems to have this uncanny ability to know what is iconic and what is, you know, what is worth just, you know, telling as a story. But he does the. He rehashes the "I'll be back" line as an iconic moment. You know, like he zooms in, the smoke's coming in. It's just this, like, yeah, we're gonna play this moment up. And then he go when he goes out there, he gets shot up. You know, like he gets his face is like destroyed and stuff. And we realize that this Terminator has decided that my self-preservation is at unimportant to is not as important as following the rules that this kid has set up. And so, you know, that that kind of manifestation of like self-sacrifice in order for the for the better good comes through there um and it's and it leads right into the final moment which is like you know the terminator insisting uh even even though it might be a smart decision to keep the terminator around you know like insisting to john who do, you know who doesn't want to lose his There's new father one more chip yeah that that you know like i'm they sorry the john in the arm, yeah. I, i'm sorry john i have to go you know, like, and it is like this sort of, it's almost like a Harry and the Hendersons kind of moment, but it is like, it really works. And it's, it's, and I think that's why, you know, like the, the films that I mentioned on this list that do that, you know, like a Jurassic Park is about fatherhood and it's about the, the willingness to accept our roles as fathers, you know, it's about parenthood. Um, uh, Mad Max Fury Road is about sacrifice for the greater good, you know, about being good in a world that doesn't really care about good or bad anymore. Um, and Terminator is about the optimism. You know, it, it is about the goodness within people to do, th- to make choices that, that may not be in their own self-interest but is is in the interest of everyone around them and i think that's why this film works and holds up today and it it, it's compounded you know i think uh, everything else about its technical acumen Mm -hmm. uh, its success at the box office its its usage of of uh, an actor like arnold who has this stiff delivery in a really smart way Mm -hmm. is all secondary to its fan Truly, truly fantastic writing I think it 's the best screenplay that James Cameron has written mm-hmm. um, and I think it is uh, it is it is a testament to you know like this is a guy who who has basically. Uh, you know, he's, he's dived to the deepest regions of the (laughs) earth. He has come up with protocols for NASA on how they could have possibly approach exploring Mars. This is a person that thinks deeply about humanity and about the way in which humanity works and operates. And I think part of him is entirely pessimistic about that, given what we know about history. And then part of him is entirely optimistic about that, Mm -hmm. given the, the endeavors that he does. And I think it's, it's all kind of comes through in this Miles Dyson character. Um, so to me, the reason why Terminator two sustains is that every time you watch it, those things still ring true. Yep. They, they never, those things have never gone out of fashion. Those things have never like waned with time. And all that's left is this good visual effects movie. Mm-hmm. Those truths are still evident in this film. And yep. that's why I think this movie is truly astounding. Um, it is possibly one of my favorite movies of all time. It's one of my top five. Um, it's actually, uh, yeah, it's strange. It, it's not it's not a genre of film that I place very highly. I know. You know, like my top five film, it wouldn't be included in my top five film, but I think this is a miraculous film. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think a film like The Abyss is more ambitious about this, and it is much more... Doesn't pull it off, though. Doesn't uh, you know, pull it like, off like this. Yeah, yeah. It's less subtextual about it. You know, and it's got that great thing, which is that storytelling through action. Yeah. You know? And the last thing I
0: want to say, just about the sort of re-release of it, um, and, and then we should we've been going for a while because this is Terminator 2 after all of course we're talking for an hour and a half yeah. uh, the, the re-release of it the 3D is not worth it but this is mm-hmm. the, the kind of thing I'd like to see more in a non 3D standpoint so there's a couple of in video games we brought up Half-Life mm-hmm. uh, in video games there's this term called quality of life improvements Right. so it's when a game like The Witcher 3 came out right, yeah. and the inventory system was shit couple months later they fixed it same exact game they patch it for free and now it's a better time to play was it broken broken too much to play before of course not but now it's a quality of life things are easier things are slightly better this is where re-releases I think the Terminator 2 the re-release gets it right where like things like the re-release of say like E.T. where they like turn the guns to walkie talkies or like shit like that is bullshit only very small things like a little bit of the color was changed I didn't mind the color it's hard to tell in theaters these days too because you don't know how the the projectors- isn't,
1: it, isn't it amazing though it looks fantastic
0: oh a hundred percent like it looks wonderful but like there's small things so I don't know if you remember in the- the iconic everything in this movie is fucking mm. iconic uh in the scene where arnold jumps the bike the t800 jumps yeah, the bike. Replaced down. the face right they replaced. so before it was a laughable stunt double because it's a dude doing that on a bike yeah they did the face and it looks beautiful now yeah. they did that uh the mannequin in the future jeep in the very beginning that gets blown up by one of the hunter killer drones mm. there was always a mannequin that mm. looked so stiff when the thing was flipping and it it and like it yeah, bounced funny they fixed that and I mean, this is the most important for all of us. You can't see Robert Patrick's balls anymore.
1: I just want to talk quickly about Robert Patrick, other than his balls. Oh, really? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. He is so good in this movie. And yes. it's like it's amazing because he is he's he's basically tasked with being more physically intimidating <laughs> than Arnold with Ford. Mr. U- and, you know than Mr. Universe. Oh my god. And like, you know, than than the creature then the character that inspired so much fear in Linda Hamilton's character mm-hmm. in the first movie. And somehow, someone who is physically smaller, who is like, you know, classic um You know, looks like a spindle next to next to next to Arnold Schwarzenegger is way more physically intimidating. The run, the look, the cat-like prowess—you know—is and and the the calmness with which he executes every decision. It's kind of masterfully done. You know, it's it's really it, it. it might be another reason why the visual effects hold up so well as well. You know, like it's a, He's it's a good poised. Yeah. Well, it's also like, it's the visual effects are part of this character. Like we feel like we're seeing a character, not an effect, you mm-hmm. know? And I think, and I think that's why it works so well. Um, and to the point, you know, like, uh, I mean, Robert Patrick's been in a lot of things. X-Files, not, you know, not the least of, and, and, you know, uh, I don't think he can ever shake this particular character. It's no. so, you can't look at this character any other, you, you can't look think about the Terminator 1000 and think about Robert yeah. Patrick in yeah. some way. So he's just, it's his muscle. And I think, I think the interplay, you know, like one of the things that we don't think about this film as, is a, as an ensemble, but, but Linda Hamilton, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Eddie Furlong and, um, um, Miles Dyson, uh, and, and Robert Patrick, mm-hmm. just, just, uh, an incredible, like, cast that you know do joe morton joe, joe morton. morton yeah the brother from another planet um you know just just wonderfully cast that work together perfectly as an ensemble mm-hmm. it's just you know again that might be another reason you know like everything we've said are reasons why yeah. it still holds up today yeah. you know like yeah the only thing i can fault it for is it's slightly yeah slightly dated terminology um I yeah that's about it I think I I actually I do disagree with you that I think it is it is still couched in the chosen one mythology but it's one that I think actually works really well in its favor so I'm not mad at it for that um yeah I agree uh, that you're wrong okay <laughs> if that's your final word <laughs> no, on it no no uh, I think please go see it in the theater I, even
0: if you hate 3d I, I hate I don't saying think that. they've got
1: much of a chance to see it in the theater still, no it's right? gonna
0: be it's gonna be leaving soon uh but it's such a it's such a magical thing and even Kristen was saying shes like, I'm so happy that I saw this like in a theater. Yeah. Which is great because it, this is not her genre. This is not like a thing that you know. So like, I don't know. It just it um did she so she did enjoy it, right? She yeah. did like Yeah, and, she loved it. And like, she was she... talking about it after the fact that like, she was she was having the reactions that like <laughs> I mean, obviously more, more, but like obviously more, um, uh, you know, well, ver- well spoken. How, how did she
1: think it's stack st- I don't, you know, you know how did think she stacked up to other films she's seen? W- I mean, would well, you think she would? Would we she were, agree with the point? That- yes,
0: yes, I think a hundred percent. She was basically saying like how was she she asked the first thing she's like, why aren't other action movies like this and, right. and i think we've talked about that at great length at this point so like this that question alone is is
1: that that's the problem <laughs> and i think you know you like you just have to look at uh you know they should do a re-release of aliens for the same th- for the same reason you know it's like why aren't action movies like this yeah. anymore i don't know um anyway
0: this has been and i can't believe i'm saying this is sounds so stupid coming out of my mouth the only podcast about the film terminator 2 judgment day
1: and it's okay yeah look i'm we'll move on but it's it's just amazing to me it's still a sequel yeah. i am i am dumbfounded by how good this movie is i watched this uh with the commentary on thinking i was going to try and get some extra bit of information for this podcast you didn't pay attention no i stopped the commentary halfway going i actually just want to watch the movie yeah, i actually yeah. just want to like enjoy this experience yeah, yep. uh so please go out i, I mean yes you, if you can see it in the theater do so in the theater i personally think uh and, and i didn't see it in the theater i have a home projector at home so i was like quite happy with my large screen uh I don't think 3d is in any way going to enhance this experience. It was
0: neat, but it didn't, it wasn't necessary. And for all the work they did to make it look nice, did you
1: have to pay extra money for 3d? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I don't think it's worth, the, the, I don't think the 3D is worth it, but the 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 ability to experience the movie in a theater...
0: I was uh, happy to pay the money that I did.
1: Yeah, is is, is entirely worth it. But uh, anyway, yeah, uh, thank you everyone for listening.
0: Uh, this has been a long time coming for me, and I, probably for both of us, really, that we've w- kind of wanted to talk about this movie. It's just interesting This that it's in the theater. Of,
1: our end of year wrap-up is going to be really interesting this year, I think.
0: Why? Because this is now a contender? Because this is a contender on the list. <laughs> Great. Well, <laughs>
1: now you don't have to listen. Uh, <laughs> next week we're doing our, our special, right? Our race and representation conversation, which yes. I think I'm I'm uh I'm super pumped about after I, our feminist discussion I there know. I think we're I like we're wait. gonna we're gonna walk into some landmines I mines. can't wait <laughs> to
0: reference our feminist discussion uh with not just dudes in the room. Um but yeah thank you so much for listening. Uh I think we're gonna go out with I mean I wanna go out with the classic
1: the the do, don, don, do, don. of course <laughs> why can't you have to uh,
0: and the score for this film is uh, just it, mind-droppingly wonderful
1: it's actually it's a weird score it like I listened to it isolated today it is actually quite a strange score but it works beautifully but like
0: the f- I listened to it literally but mm. I was mm. a strange kid like mm. I to it in a discman. and yeah I was just listening to it like while I mowed the lawn like it, it's They're, that level for me
1: they did this thing with the t T-1000 where they made like sounds like scissors yeah it felt like scissors were everywhere Matt where 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 can people reach us or find you on the internet if they wanted to, to, to tell us how wrong we are about Terminator 2? How possibly we, we've just been wrong this whole time and start the, the reboot of Star Trek is just as good. No, they can't. <laughs>
0: they, if that, that, that literally could not happen. Uh, but if they want to talk to me about anything else, they can reach me at MatthewKroll.com. That's M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-L.com for all my life and works. Emperor MSK on Twitter and Skeletor, the number four P-R-E-Z on the Instagrams. Uh, Shahir, when you are not being faded or not faded to discuss one of the greatest films ever made, where can folks find you?
1: You can find me at ShahirDowd.com. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D. Uh, we've talked about this before, but robot music videos coming out in the, uh, and I, I know, <laughs> I want to overhype it, but the reason I want to mention in this con in this context is that robot music video that I'm releasing with Nigel Stanford on September 15th is directly influenced by. Terminator 2. We were on set and we said this is a music video imagined if it was directed by James Cameron. Not suggesting I'm James Cameron, but we were just yeah, we were saying just, we're doing we're, that a little bit. We are just saying just let, let's, let's do it as the, via James Cameron.
0: If your music video mm-hmm. wasn't so fucking good, mm-hmm. I would tear you to shit for mm-hmm. saying the, even the not analogy of you to James Cameron. But you fucking killed. This video, I know I've said this a million <laughs> I mean, I times. Don't, I
1: don't want to like, overplug it. I
0: do. Fuck, fuck <laughs> this. It's so good.
1: It is so good and I can't wait for everyone. To actually be able to see it and agree with me. We hope if you do see it, you can uh, write us in and why you think it's connected to James Cameron's uh, Terminated 2 by writing us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com <laughs> or hit us up on Twitter at onlymoviepod. All right, let's
0: hit that score and get the F out of here. Du-dun-dun-dun-dun-t. Woo! Du-dun-dun-dun-dun-t. Woo! All right, bye. <laughs>